No, it was uh, it was a fun day. Sorry, I can't be on video. I'm uh, I'm I left the studio and I'm driving home, so I can get back to my son's uh, first high school football game of the year tonight. So um, I wish I could see you guys, but uh, that was a fun day. Zach Zach really threw the ball well. Not a surprise. Just a really really gifted thrower um, from every platform, every angle. You know, he missed some throws just with some some accuracy stuff here or there. But uh, pretty unique, the, the skill set that he has to make the, uh, the throws he was making today. So he did a great job. Uh, we didn't get a chance to see much of the rest of the workout with the other guys. I know Christensen had a big day with, uh, uh, with his workout. So I'll be looking forward to getting the video of that and seeing more of his actual workout. But that was it from, uh, you know, with the BYU guys. And then uh, I can answer any questions you guys have on them as well as all the craziness that took place uh, while the workout started with all these trades. So uh, happy to go wherever you guys want to go. Fire away. Great. Thanks, DJ. So our first question will come from Sam Farnsworth. Sam, you may ask your question. You're on mute. Hey, there, there, you go. Hey, there we go. Sorry. Uh, hey, I wanted to ask you a little bit. Obviously, you're able to see uh, Zach and, and his throwing today. One of the guys catching those passes, his tight end, Matt Bush, and a guy who's thought of as as one of the better pass-catching tight ends coming into the draft, but there was a lot of questions with the Achilles. What what, do you, what are your thoughts on uh, Matt Bushman and his potential draft stock entering the, this draft? Well, he's he's good on tape. You know, obviously the two strikes against him are his age. I want I want to say he's twenty five, and then you have the uh, you know the Achilles. So those things are working against him. But his tape is really good. To me, he's a day three. He's a day three pick, probably towards you know the the latter portion of day three. If he were healthy. Um, you know, I, I think you, you know, it hadn't missed the time. I think you could talk about him, you know, being more like that fourth round range. But I think when it's all said and done, he probably is going to be around a six round guy. But uh, there's a lot of ability there. He was fun to watch. Great. Next one will come from Jared Lloyd. Jared, you may ask your question. I just wanted to ask about the perception of BYU as far as draft prospects, because in years past, BYU hasn't had very many players drafted. They have had guys who are very successful, like Fred Warner, obviously, with the 49ers. Do you see that that changing, you know, with the uh, draft this year that, that could have multiple guys being selected from BYU? Well, I mean, gosh, yeah. I mean, you think back to, you know, with Van Noy and Ziggy, and they've had a lot of really good players that have come out of there. Um, I think the NFL knows when you get a BYU kid, you're getting a really tough kid. Um, and the best thing that can happen for a program, in my opinion, is when you have a marquee quarterback because it just gives you so much exposure and to have an elite player like Zach, they're going to be able to recruit off of him uh, for a long time going forward and not just at the quarterback position, but at every position because it just gives them so much more attention to the school and to the program. Um, so to me, this is big for them in their future to have a, you know have a quarterback like this, it doesn't uh, take anything away from the great players they've produced. But I think this has a chance to have a real draw uh, to bring in some some really quality players in the future. Next one will come from Mitch Harper. Mitch, you may ask your question. Yeah, was there any questions that you had about Zach coming into today, and were, did he answer those questions with his performance? Honestly, the only questions I had we're really, um, how big is he? Cause we didn't know, you know, and, uh, that was great over six to 214 pounds. Uh, you know, you see the hand size is great. I mean, that, that's be all end all, but you know, those are the things I didn't know. 
the things that I saw him throw the football and, and do on the field, I've already seen him do that. So some of these pro days you come into it and it's like, and I don't really see this guy drive the ball or I want to see, you know, if this guy gets on the move, he didn't really have to create. So you try and fill in the gaps of the evaluation with him. I've already seen him do all that stuff. So there was nothing in the workout that I felt like I needed to see because I felt like I'd seen it all. The only curiosity was just, you know, how big is he? And then really the, the hurdle that remains, the only hurdle that remains is just the physical, just to make sure that he's, you know, he's good there structurally from, from the shoulder. So um, those are the only questions I think that really exist about him right now. Next one comes from Jake Hatch. Jake, you may ask your question. Yeah, Daniel, this is in relation to the news with the 49ers moving up in the draft today. Uh, how significant of a move is that? Is It looks like a uh, quarterback is what they're going after, and how do you think it relates to Zach Wilson? Well, if you part with the assets that they parted with to go all the way up to number three, it's not for one player. It means you're comfortable with, with three guys, you know, it's depending on what happens. So they obviously have three quarterbacks that they – uh, feel really good about and to put themselves in position to get one of those guys. Um, the fascinating thing is, is, you know, who is it? We, we kind of assume Trevor one and Zach two, and then that gives them the choice of the, you know, the other three guys we look at as, as first round quarterbacks between Trey Lance, Justin Fields and, uh, and Mac Jones. To me, I, I thought Trey Lance made the most sense. He's my third quarterback, first of all, but put that aside. I, I just think the timing of it, Having already had the the uh, pro day there at, at North Dakota State, which we could say the same about Alabama, um, but if you're talking about Justin Fields and you're going to make this type of a move, I would think you would wait until his pro day next week to do it. There's no harm in, in waiting a week just to be able to see him, which you didn't get a chance to do because of all the you know the COVID restrictions this year. So that to me points to either Trey Lance or to Mac Jones. To me, Trey would make the more sense just because it gives you a whole different skill set that you don't have with Jimmy. And, and a lot of upside there, uh, coupled with the fact that, that John Lynch told our Steve Weitz that he was uh, – that Jimmy was still on their plans. So I thought, okay, well, you don't have to rush a guy into a field. That kind of fits into the Trey Lance timeline where you could take your time and develop him. So that makes sense. But then, you know, there's, there's people around the league that when this was going down had alerted me, hey, don't, don't sleep on Mac Jones here. And when you look at it and say, okay – Who's had who's Kyle had success with? Obviously, Kirk Cousins. Um, everybody knows about their their close relationship. Think about Matt Ryan. Um, I'm pretty sure he was with Schaub there in Houston. So all those guys played the game kind of similarly. All very very intelligent and uh, processed very quickly. And Kyle can kind of play quarterback from the sideline, really, with with you know a, a very large playbook. Do whatever he wants uh, from that standpoint. And that seems to be. When you talk to people at Alabama, Mac Mac's strength is just his uh, his football intelligence and um, his ability when you watch him on tape to work quickly through progression. So, from a skill set standpoint, he does kind of fit what Kyle has always has always had. So, um, I you know I don't know for sure which way they go, but those uh, you know those are kind of the different ways I look at it. With that, we'll keep it here with the 49ers. We'll go to Kiana Martin. Kiana, you may ask your question. Thanks so much. It was right along the lines of what I wanted to ask, but trades like this don't usually happen unless a team knows they have a list of players that they want. Of the list of players that you just gave us, those top five quarterbacks, let's throw them in there. Uh, who do you see as the dream match for Kyle Shanahan and what he likes to do? 
Well, I mean, I think the dream match would be Trevor Lawrence, but uh, I, I don't think Jacksonville's going to acquiesce to see his dreams come true. But uh, no, I, I think all those, you know, when you when you look at that those top five guys, to me, my dream match that would be Kyle or would be uh, Zach Wilson, just for you know how he plays and and what he can do on schedule, off schedule, work off the boot action that they do. It's a, the same reasons why we say he's a great fit with the Jets. Um, are the same reasons why he would be a, a great fit with Kyle. Uh, same offense, same system. So um, that to me would be the dream uh, fit. In, but again, I think I think he's going to be a New York Jet. I don't think that's going to happen. And then it comes down to those other three guys, which I feel like with Trey Lance, you have an ability upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo um, and a lot more ceiling, a lot more growth there um, to expand your offense. But, again, I, I wouldn't rule out the, the whole Mac Jones situation either. Thanks, DJ. Next one, You're welcome. Next one comes from Matt Diamante. Matt, you may ask your question. Hey, Dan, I said a, a Zach, Brady Christensen, or maybe Matt Bushman. Are there any other guys that participated today that you think have a chance of getting drafted for BYU? Yeah, I gave the corner I gave the corner a draftable grade. I gave him like a fifth round grade, and I, I believe he ran well today too. Um, and I don't I, if I tried to find his name, you know, the next sound you hear will be me hitting this Camry that's in front of me. So I, I won't do that. But um, I, I did. I gave the corner a draftable grade, and I gave Milne a, a late draftable grade as well. I did not even get a chance to see um, what his time was. I went out and worked him out up in LA where he was training and timed him like four five eight four so so I. I feel like I know how fast he is, but I don't know what he ran today. Uh, but I think he's got a chance to get to get picked on day three as well. Next one comes from Kyle Ireland. Kyle, you may ask your question. Yeah, DJ, we saw that one throw from Zach today that, I mean, on the broadcast, you said, you know, how silly or difficult of a throw that was. Could you kind of break down just, you know, what makes that throw so difficult and what allows Zach to make throws like that? Yeah, if it's the one I'm thinking of, because there were several kind of ridiculous throws that he made during that, but I believe it was one where he was moving to the left and he threw, I want to say, a deep post kind of back over to the right where all of your body and momentum is is floating and drifting left. And then for him to be able to get enough power on the ball to get it over the top and going back towards the right deep down the field and, uh, and placed it beautifully, it's just – incredibly hard and it's one thing when you're doing this you know rolling right and throwing left is uh you you know is tricky but when you go left and you throw it all the way back to the right it's a whole as a right-handed quarterback that's a whole nother level of uh, difficulty um and so to have that type of horsepower and athleticism to be able to pull that off it's uh it's pretty unique Next question comes from Sean Walker. Sean, you may ask your question. Yeah, DJ, I hate to take the focus away from Zach a little too much, but you've been pretty high on Brady Christensen as well from from some of the stuff that I've, I've kind of heard and, and read from you. Do you think his pro day today was, was I guess, good for him, for lack of a better term? I mean, I, I don't think it was bad by any means, but do you think it was good for him to kind of show what he did and, and – kind of show out the way that he did and, and what do you kind of make of, of him, I guess? Yeah. I mean, it, it won't, it'll probably get lost somewhat in all the stuff that happened today because of all the trades and, and Zach going out there and putting on a show, but his, like his broad jump 
three inches better than anything at the combine from an offensive lineman going back to 2003. So that's, that's pretty incredible. Jump 34 inches. That is an explosive, explosive guy. Um, so yeah, he, he helped himself from that just showing the traits that he has, you know, on tape, um, you know, he's, he's, there's times where I wish he would bend a little bit better. Um, but he's, he's strong, he's physical, he's explosive. Uh, I had him kind of as a early, you know, early day three guy, which, you know, puts him in the early fourth round. And I think with a workout like this, he's going to have people that really like him around the league. And I, I think there's a chance he could find his way into the second round. And I'd be, I'd be stunned quite honestly, if he got out of the third round, because, you know, it's a, it's a league that's starved for offensive linemen. And you got a guy, even though he's a little bit older, you have somebody that's it's incredibly athletic, as you saw today, and uh, and somebody by all accounts is uh, is pretty smart as well. So those guys all go. Next question comes from Mitch Harper. Mitch, you may ask your question. Yeah, DJ, how much of an impact do you feel BYU's maybe weak strength of schedule have uh, a role in the evaluation process for these teams when? determining where, you know, besides Zach, how, yeah. how, how high these guys potentially go in the draft? Well, I think if you're a good evaluator and a good team that, that does this the right way, you have to divorce players from their surroundings and evaluate the individual. We used to always say, you know, you can't evaluate the helmet. You've got to evaluate the player. And in this case, it's not about BYU. It's about, you know, the, the weird circumstances and the, and the lack of quality opposition. But you have to disassociate that when you're, when you're watching them. You have to look and, and – and scout the traits that these guys have and project what it's going to look like, you know, against better competition at the highest level in the NFL. And that's, you know, it's no different than if you were going to go watch a player who was dominating at a, a lower level. Um, there's nothing about that level of competition that's similar to what he's going to face at the NFL, but I know his skill set and I believe what he does really well in evaluating that is going to translate up a level. And, I think that's, you know, that's just scouting 101. That's why we would always make fun of the pro scouts as college scouts because the pro scouts, when you're scouting, you know, for free agency and things like that, we're like, yeah, I can go buy a box of football cards and tell you who the good NFL players are. It's all apples to apples. Uh, you know, trying to project these guys from all different, you know, levels of competition and who they're playing with and against, um, it makes it more difficult. But it's just, you know, it's, it's like that every year. Next question comes from Barry Jackson. Barry, you may ask your question. Hi, Daniel. So from Miami's perspective today, after the two trades, they basically moved from three to six in this draft. They pick up yeah. a third-rounder from the 49ers in 22, a first-rounder from them in 23. I guess the one twist is they don't have their own first-rounder next year. Instead, they have San Francisco's. So with all those factors in mind, was this a good couple of trades for Miami? And if you're Greer or who do you want slipping to sixth? What would be your dream scenario among uh, Chase, Pitts, Devontae Smith, et cetera? Yeah, it's a great question. Very good to see you, bud. Um, the, you. Uh, the, uh, the fascinating thing to me is I, I, I have to believe that either Carolina or Denver, maybe both, um, were interested in moving up. And so you'd say, okay, we could, have, we could slide back to eight or nine. But – and, and look at what that compensation was. I'm, I'm guessing, and I'm just guessing here, that when they did all that they did, going back to 12 and back up to 6, um, they were able to get more and not have to drop back as far as they would have if they just did the trade straight up with, with Carolina or Denver. So uh, I thought it was creative uh, by Chris and, and a good job by him. And now 
We're going to see these run on quarterbacks. They're still probably going to get the guy that they want, if not their number two option. Um, you know, for me, I'm going to update my top 50. It comes out next week. I ended up uh, moving Kyle Pitts to the number two spot on my top 50 behind Trevor Lawrence. I have Jamar Chase three. I have the same grade on both those guys. I mean, if they if they came away with either one, I think it's a home run. Even if, it, you know, Devontae Smith is not far. Uh, Waddle and Devontae Smith are not that far beyond, behind those guys. I mean, they're, they're in a great spot. Um, but if you're asking me what my home run pick is, and I know Gusecki's there, I don't care. I'm taking Kyle Pitts, and uh, and and we'll we'll figure out how to, to be out there in two tight ends. And if I need to, I'll play Kyle Pitts at the X. Um, and Gusecki, not like he spends a whole lot of time with his hand in the ground either. So um, I, I think he's the best football player that they could get. That's where that would be my dream scenario. And I I, I think it's uh, it's a lot of fun what they've done. And the other thing that they've done is they've stockpiled assets now off into the future. Because I think with the Deshaun thing kind of being in limbo, you know, the thought process was, man, if you're the Dolphins, it matches up right now. But if we get to the draft now, you all your draft capital this year where you have these multiple picks, um, you're not going to have enough capital to get that, that thing done if we do it after the draft. And what this has done and picking up these additional picks in the future is now I think they've extended that window where – let this whole thing play out what's going on in Houston with Deshaun right now. Um, and then this gives them a year, a, a full year with Tua to see what he can do. And if, if it doesn't work out, they would be, you know, armed and, and ready to, uh, to make a move either on a veteran like a, a Deshaun potentially, or to, to move up in next year's draft. So I think they preserved a lot of options. Good point. Thanks, Daniel. Next one will come from Paul Domowicz. Paul, you may ask your question. Yeah, DJ, I wanted to get your thoughts on the uh, Dolphins-Eagles trade from the Eagles' perspective. And also, uh, with them trading down to 12, uh, what do you think are their, are, are their more, most palatable options right now at 12, knowing what's the need? Yeah, I, I think they put themselves in range for a, a really good defensive player, personally. Um, when you look at the corners, I think Farley's probably – you know, that's an intriguing case there. I don't know what's going to happen with him uh, because of, uh, of the back situation he's dealing with. So to take him out of it, you've got Pat Sertain and J.C. Horn as two really intriguing corner options right around there. You've got the edge rushers. If, if you want to go that route, something they could use. Uh, get a little bit younger out there uh, with a guy like Quiddy Pay or if it's a, you know, if it's a Greg Rousseau, uh, whoever interests you from, a, from an edge standpoint. So um, I think those two positions make a lot of sense for where they're going to be at 12. Uh, if they wanted to go and invest in the offensive line, they could, they could do that as well with somebody like a, you know, a Vera Tucker who could, who's a chance to be a really, really good guard. So um, I, I think it would have been a little bit early on some of those guys at six. And now they've been able to, you know, collect some extra stuff and be able to go back and, and, and get the positions that make sense for them. Knowing Howie, did that move surprise you at all? Uh, no. Uh, how, how we, uh, if you had told me there's going to be a day in the NFL, you know, in the next week, and there's going to be a lot of action, a lot of teams, a lot of movement, uh, I, I would put a lot of money to how we'd be involved somehow. So I, I was not surprised to see that they got in the mix today. Next one comes from Eric Brandt. Eric, you may ask your question. Sorry, uh, Daniel, it's about the 49ers. Just, I understand the, 
you know, while it would make sense with Mac Jones being a Shanahan type quarterback, but just based on your evaluations of the quarterback, if the Niners took Mac Jones at number three, would that qualify as a stunner to you? And then also, I, I think um, based on what you said, you've got uh, Lance ahead, uh, Trey Lance ahead of uh, Justin Fields. Has that changed over the you know past couple of weeks? And if so, why is that? Thanks so much. Sure. Uh, no, I, I've had the same quarterback order, um, I think, pretty much through this whole process. So uh, I, I have it with Trevor, followed by Zach Wilson, followed by Trey Lance, followed by Fields, followed by Jones. So Jones is fifth for me. So would it be a shock? Yes. Uh, if they parted with multiple first-round picks to move up to take Mac Jones in the top five, that would, that would shock me. Uh, I'd not see that coming. But, again, this is uh, – you know, people inside the league that, uh, you know, are pretty well connected on this stuff just alerted me to, to look out for that. So uh, I'm not ruling it out, but, yes, I would be surprised. And uh, for me, why Trey Lance over Fields is, uh, you know, to me it's decision-making more than anything else. And I really the funny, funny thing is I say that all four – I have four quarterbacks giving me my top eight players – when my top 50 update comes out next week. So I've moved Trey Lance up a little bit on my 50 list. I've moved uh, Fields up a little bit. So I really think all four of these guys have a chance to be really good. And uh, the only difference really when I'm separating Lance and Fields, I think they're seven and eight on my list going forward, is is just I thought Trey did a little bit better job protecting the football and, and making better decisions. Both are big, strong, really good athletes uh, that offer a lot of upside and uh, are, are both – by all accounts, great kids, uh, and I think you're going to be great pros. But to me, it was decision-making that, that tipped the scale for Lance. Next one will come from Jake Hatch. Jake, you may ask your question. Yeah, DJ, we all know that Zach Wilson's going to go very high in this draft, but if you were to put him with a single franchise, what do you think would be the ideal franchise for him? Um, well, that's a good question. I mean, San Francisco would be a pretty good start. Uh, you know, you go down to the, uh, other teams, it would make sense, you know, that there anybody with a good offensive line to keep them healthy, because that to me is, is the concern there. It's just he's not the, the biggest guy in the world. So can you keep him protected? I think his skill set translates to any system and, and he can play in weather or any, you know, elements or anything like that, it's not going to be an issue. To me, it's just, can he go somewhere where they can protect him? And, you know, let's assume he's going to the Jets. They've got a, you know, one of the best young left tackles in the NFL. Uh, and, and I think they would be the first to admit they've, they've got some other areas they need to address and upgrade on that line. 